In our social media age, when everyone's trying to boost their platform and preach their message, two pastors come together to put the pulpit aside and have some uncommon exchanges, some considerate conversations about cultural topics from a biblical worldview. We're not just trying to boost likes, comments, shares, and follows. We're trying to find some sanity, some clarity, and some unity in the midst of our diversity to offer some hope in a culture steeped in division, confusion, and toxicity. Come along with us as we put the pulpit aside. All right, well, here we are. It's the Pulpit Aside podcast, finally. We did it. We're going to do it. Uh, <laughs> so welcome anybody, everybody's listening to us. Yeah, uh, good to have you. Yeah, we wanted to do this podcast, the Pulpit Aside podcast. Do you feel like in this day and age, uh, you know, there's so many people trying to project a message. There's one-liners. You post your thing on social media. You get your likes or whatever. But people don't learn anymore how to have a conversation mm, right. about, you know, divisive topics, um, and especially from a biblical, hope-filled worldview. So I felt like putting this thing together is our opportunity to bring two people who have different vantage points mm. and look at things together and have a conversation. Because sometimes it's not that the other person in a conversation or even in the debate is wrong, it's just that we're seeing from a different angle. Sure. And I need you to help me see what you see. Sure. I, I, I like to tell our uh, people at times we have different lenses that we've grown up with. Mm, and every once in a while, I need to see life through your lens so that way I can better understand, you know, our similarities as well as, as, well as our differences. And so that's part of what the podcast will be doing is we'll be talking about not only what makes us different, but also what similarities are what makes us the same. So let's talk about some of that. <laughs> let's let's take this first episode just to let the world out there, you know, our millions of listeners. That's right, millions. We're putting it out there early, right? It's millions. All across the globe. Uh-huh. You're going to be listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's see. What, what makes us different? What makes us similar? How do we have different lenses, mm. histories, stories? And yeah. uh, well, I mean, so I'm white. And I'm black. Okay, that's uh-huh. that, well, that's one. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're both pastors. We're both pastors. Both husbands and fathers. Yes, yes. So those are similar things. In Mid Michigan. In Mid Michigan, right? But we're from different denominations. Yeah, you are and from a denomination. I am not. You are from a denomination. Um, we don't have a denomination. We well, what do you call yourself? Independent, non-denomination. That's a denomination these That's days. Non-denomination is a denomination these days. Okay. All right, okay, all right. Okay. So, so you don't have a denomination affiliation. <laughs> but yes. We do. We're Southern Baptist, which even That's that dangerous is today. right. That's even interesting we just because lost half our listeners, right there. <laughs> Well, but I'm <laughs> but I'm black and I'm Southern Baptist, so maybe Woo! maybe that. <laughs> How'd that happen? No, but even that, podcast. even that, that is another podcast. <laughs> we can probably talk about the fact that if Being people black saw us, SBC, let's put that. On the list. We'll put that on the list. Like but even people saw us without me saying it, they would probably assume you were the Southern Baptist, right? And I was the non-denominational pastor. Why would they assume pastor. that? Because they would just look man? at it. But yeah, you're white dude. You're a little more Dang. stiff than I. I mean, I'm stiff, but you're really stiff. I'm not stiff. You know, you're, oh, you're stiff. So. Oh, that's it. We can't do this. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, there are again some 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 similarities, some differences, um, but we want to talk about that. Like you said in this first episode, you kind of so you're, dig in you're working in a denominational church. I'm in a non-denominational That's church. Right. You are 
ministering in an urban setting yep. here in Lansing, yes. and we are suburban. Yeah. Um, and also we have a campus-focused ministry. So our ministry focuses and spheres are very different. They are, because I'm definitely more focused. Not that I would exclude campus ministry. Right. Um, but a big focus for me is just the people who are within the city of Lansing and you know, outside of LCC. Uh, earlier, I mentioned the concept of like seeing life through different lenses, how yes. we each have a lens in which we see life through yep. and how that lens will shape kind of not only mm-hmm. who we are growing up, but then who we become later on in life. And as we've been doing this, or we've been talking about pulpit aside, talking about, you know, seeing life with its similarities and its differences, um, I thought it'd be good for us to kind of give the people an idea of who we are and our background so yeah. that way they can see the lens in which we have been seeing most of our of lives through. So first question I want to throw out there for you to answer is, what was it like growing up for you? And along with this, you can say, I mean, you can answer where and even how it molded you. All right. Um, I was born in the South, uh, in Louisiana. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Right. <laughs> did you grow up here? Uh, I did grow up here. Right here? Uh, yeah, I okay. grew up right here in Lansing. This definitely gives us different, oh, different lenses. Oh, you about that? Louisiana? Yes. Really? Lafayette, Louisiana. I didn't expect uh, that one. My parents went to college there. Uh, and uh, I don't remember it. The stories go, you know, I was the one-year-old eating the Cajun food. Because that's what you do down there. You just, like, grow up drinking Cajun stuff. I don't know. Um so yeah, I was born down south, uh, but my parents were divorced at a, when I was very young. I was a year and a half uh, old, so I don't remember it. I've heard mm. some of the stories about it. Um, long story short, my dad got custody. We moved back to Oklahoma, where he's from. Okay. And uh, so my youngest years were there with him. He uh, remarried when I was four, and uh, I inherited with that marriage um, two stepbrothers and a stepsister who are all older. So I went from being the only child of a single parent home to the youngest of a blended family. Okay. So that's kind of where I come from. Um, we moved up to Michigan when I was in fifth grade. Um, and so most of my life has lived here and I would say this, this is home, but I, I do have Southern roots, still got family down there. And every once in a while people will tell me that I do strange things or, uh, so they say that must be cause you're from the South or whatever. So that, that was life growing up. I would say how, how that impacted me. Um, my immediate family was not, uh, religious, but my grandmother, when I was a child, took me to church, okay. which is where I was introduced to Jesus. Um, but my growing up with having a split family, um, you know, divorced parents and that shared parenting thing, my dad being a single dad for a few years, um, and then visiting my mom, exposed me to a lot of different people and situations. And I think that that really has impacted me to this day in that Mm. um, I am eager to meet and embrace all kinds of different people and enable to do so without any sense of judgment whatsoever. Because I remember being a little kid, being dragged around to all kinds of places with all kinds of people. And some people, if I were to look back, I'd say were probably scary, but it was just normal to me uh, to be in all kinds of situations with people I'd never met before. And uh, so I I see that even in me today where um, I just take people at face value. Um, Mm. I value them as humans um, and I make no judgment. And and to be fair, 
my biological mother lived a pretty troubled life. Uh, she was an alcoholic for okay. a large portion of that, and I think probably caused some of the divorce. Um, also, um, got into the drug scene, uh, contracted HIV AIDS back in the early 90s, back when that first came on the scene, and that's wow. uh, what eventually led to her, her early death. Uh, when I was a young adult, I was about 23, 24. Um, so uh, I've had a lot of experience with a lot of different people. Well, you know, I was going to ask you about, you said your dad got custody. So I was going to, yeah. I was hoping you would dive into yeah, yeah. how that happened. Yeah, that's yeah. not usually how it happened. Right. And especially back then was even probably more rare. Yeah. 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 So your mom really was dealing with some different things. She and, had some issues. Yeah. She was loving though. She loved me to death. She made me feel like the center of the universe whenever I was with her. But um, growing up, I look back and say, wow, that was, she was troubled. Mm. She had a troubled life. But um, mm. she did uh, come to faith before she, she passed away. Did you have something to do with that? I think so. Um, I remember we would talk on the phone a lot and I remember the more serious, the older I got, the more serious about my faith I got. And mm. so I was praying for her and I told her I'd pray for her. And there were times when she's very sick and uh, I would say, can I pray for you? Um, and then it got to the place where every time we we're on the phone before we left off, she said, will you pray for me? Mm. And uh, one time, the, one of the last times I went to visit her in person, cause she lived in Texas was, um, she, she, she had several bouts where they thought she was going to die. But on this one, I was like, I need to know if you know Jesus. Mm. And uh, she said, yes, I do. And she wow. did say, you know, that, that my uh, walk with the Lord had impacted her in that way, but that she'd made her peace with God um, and she, her faith was in him. She knew she couldn't do it on her own. And so that gave me a lot of comfort when she passed, although it was terrible. It's terrible to lose your mother. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah. And you were how old when she passed away? I was away? 24. So still pretty young. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. And then uh, my dad and stepmom ended up divorcing as well. So I've seen a lot of crazy, <laughs> crazy family stuff. So that that's kind of my upbringing. Um, I can talk more about my faith journey later. But what about you? Well, what was life growing up for you here in the Lansing area? The Lansing area. All right. Yeah, as, as I, I said, need to I get out that. more. <laughs> yeah, <I just> <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on that, working on that, all right? Um, so, uh, I was actually born in Battle Creek, so about oh, 45 okay. minutes from here. 45 minutes. So, okay. my mom and my dad, my biological dad, my mom and my biological dad were married for about four or five years total. Um, had issues with infidelity oh, on my wow. dad's side. And eventually, my mom, even though she was a stay-at-home mom, just couldn't take it anymore mm -hmm. and decided, you know what? I'm going to pack up my, at this time, five kids. Oh and moved to Lansing. Oh my gosh. Now, she had two kids from a previous marriage because her first marriage, she was like 18, 19 years old Whoa. when she got married and moved out to Seattle, Washington with my older sister and brother's dad and that didn't work out. So then she came back to Battle Creek mm -hmm. and it was through a big brother's program that my oldest brother was in or involved in that he met my dad. My dad was his big brother. Oh my goodness. Well, my dad saw this, you know, his little brother's mom and thought, <laughs> I want that lady. So And all her five kids. Yes, well, at the time she only had two. Oh, okay. He gives That's her different. Three. Okay, okay. Uh, so <laughs> um so in the time in which they were married, actually my older sister, uh, my mom got pregnant which is why they ended up getting married when they uh, did. Okay. Um, because they were, you know, my mom and him were not married when my sister, when, they, when she got pregnant with my sister. And so then I come along three years later, and then my younger brother, about a year and a half later, he comes along. Yeah. And so it's three of us. Well, now, again, four or five, five years into the marriage, my mom decides to leave. She doesn't want to stay in Battle Creek because she felt like it would be a better opportunity in a new city. 
number one, for her children. Number two, because she felt like everybody who stayed, they got trapped in her family. Mm. And then number two, my daddy was a very popular guy. And so she knew that there was no escaping him. And not that he was abusive or anything like that, because he wasn't. My dad never hit my mom. There were times my mom hit my dad, and he would tell her, you're going hurt to hurt you before you hurt me, right? He was just very, you know, he was, he was not that. But she knew everybody knew him and liked him. It'd be hard to escape just his shadow, his presence. She knew she needed to get away from And that him. was the marriage where there was infidelity? Yes, okay. yes, yes. Um, and so she moves to Lansing with her five kids, 100 bucks in her pocket given to her by a friend. Oh, my goodness. And she, you know, starts to get jobs here and there. Wow. And, you know, so she, you know, that, that's that's kind of how we got Single mom, five kids single mom, in five Lansing. Kids. Wow. Wasn't single long, though. Um, <laughs> my mom, I guess she was hot. Man, okay. you know, so, um, within probably two years, she's going to a church here in Lansing, okay. meets one of the trustees there. He likes her. He's my, my stepdad was 11 years older than she was. Oh, wow. And he tells a story that the reason why he was okay with taking on a woman with five kids right? is because he already raised his family. He was not a Christian when his kids were growing up. Um, Remember, he's 11 years older than right. she is. And so he looked at her family as a second opportunity mm. at raising a family. Wow. As a godly man. As a godly man, wow, yes. that's cool. And so he stepped in, and while my oldest sister and oldest brother, because they're about 11, 12 years older than I am, they were almost out the house. They were like 17 and 16 mm-hmm. or 17 and 15 around mm-hmm. this time. I was only six when he came into my life. Okay. And so my stepdad comes into our life. Well, this kind of stabilizes our household. My mom was a single mom, mm-hmm, constantly on mm-hmm. Section 8 food stamps. Mm-hmm. Even though she had a job, um, she, we were barely making it. Right. And five so, kids, I can't even five, imagine. That's a lot, of, a lot of moms to feed. And she didn't have a degree or anything. She had been a stay-at-home mom right. for the years that she was married to my dad. Wow. So grew up here in the Lansing area, attended all the schools. My stepfather is involved in the process. And, <clears throat> you know, I had a pretty good childhood for a black family in the early 80s. My mom at this point in time was working for the state. My stepdad was working for the state. So they made de- a decent income mm-hmm, together. Mm-hmm. And so there was no real lack in That's, our family mm-hmm. when it came to things like, you know, our needs and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, I was an athlete and so played soccer, then played football, then got a hold of basketball and then track. Eventually, after, you know, playing basketball in high school, running track, I would go off into a, a Western Michigan for a full ride track scholarship. I mean, that was where after that, while I was there, I got married to my wife and then decided to go down to seminary. So I grew up in a black, traditional black Baptist church, um, but our pastor had a degree. And that was a little unique for our area because he had been to school at Vanderbilt and he had a doctor's degree. Mm. Um, And so that was a little unique. And I think that that's kind of like kind of has uh, left an impression on my, my, mm-hmm. my mind throughout life, just seeing that. And our church, even though it was all black, was a pretty astute and pretty educated and professional uh, group of individuals. Mm. And so I saw that each week. Um, so you kind of grew up in that church. Yes. And so how did your faith journey begin in all that? Faith journey begins because in eighth grade, I see the movie Malcolm X. And uh, when I watched this movie, uh, it was an autobiography of Malcolm X by Spike Lee. Just watching In eighth grade? In eighth grade, yeah, in eighth grade. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I watched it twice. Okay, so the second time I saw it in the eighth grade, I was just, I was in awe of this man 
I mean, Malcolm X, Denzel Washington played the part so well <laughs> of his ability to not only reform himself, but just as a black man, mm. have so much discipline, mm. to have so much character and to... That, that, that just but uh, he's a nation of Islam, right? He's a nation so of Islam. how did this right. bring you to faith That's in right. Christ? <laughs> well, well, I'm getting to that. <laughs> okay, so, okay, okay. So at that moment, I decided I wanted to change my life. Okay, I want to do something different. I don't want to be like the typical my friends running around. I mean, I want, I'm gonna do something okay. big okay. or okay. just with my life. Okay. And so I started getting involved in nation of Islam, uh, reading more books. You did? I did. I did. I did. Uh, we went to church. Your parents Sunday. know about this? They did know. <laughs> My mother, she told me that uh, she was not going to take me to their meetings. Oh, well, good. So I used to walk. Oh. So she wouldn't stop me because she knew I was on a faith journey. Wow. She didn't want to just restrict everything. And she made sure I went to church every week because we were already doing that. Uh, but uh, she was like, you got to go to church. But uh, they would not, my mom or my stepdad would not take me. I had to walk the two and a half miles every Wednesday. You really so, wanted to be there. I did. Two and a half miles. I did. At least I would have got on my bike, you know. That's a long way to walk. It was walk. something about <laughs> seeing people who look like me, especially men. And, and, and it's not that my wow. church didn't have this. But they weren't necessarily as disciplined and as vocal about mm. their, their, their religious beliefs. And There's a level of devotion. There was a level of devotion to the nation of Islam that, that was expressed. That they were doing was because they were wow. black Muslims. Wow. And I didn't really see that in the church. Mm. Um, wow. So what ended up happening is I had gone there for about six months. I remember one day asking questions, doing q and I was like, hey, who... They kept talking about Elijah Muhammad, like almost like he was like Jesus. And mm. I was like, hey, y'all talk about Jesus, talk about Elijah Muhammad. Who's greater? And the, the minister of the temple said, well, you can't compare two prophets. You know, it's like comparing Elijah and Moses. They're, they're, they're the same. They both came to the will of God. Jesus is a prophet. Elijah Muhammad is a prophet. They did God's will. So you, you can't compare them. And in that moment, I knew Everybody in there was going to hell if they believed that. Oh, so you and still I, had the faith in oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I grew like, up in church. I've been uh, to church. My dad, my stepdad was a trustee. Okay. We had been going to church since I was six years old. But it's like you're practicing Nation of Islam as an eighth I, grader, ninth well, grader? I didn't know that there was a difference. Oh. But in that moment, the Holy Spirit was uh, yeah. like, oh, no, no. Truth have, rose up. You asked the right question. Um, and so I, wow. I took a lot of what I learned mm. and the discipline and the devotion. Yeah, yeah. And now I started applying it to Christianity. So and, yeah. my faith journey really begins there. Wow. God bless your mom for letting you go on that journey. I would have had a steel wall. You ain't going to that meet. Uh-uh. You know, I, I, I told my mother to the day she passed away that one of the best things that she ever could have done was allowing me that freedom to do it, but at the same time covering me in prayer because her and my stepdad were praying a lot during that time. Mm. But also keeping the conversation and dialogue open to still talk to me about what I was learning and try to express me how she, how I was making her feel, but not getting mad or angry or trying to stop me from yeah. this experience. Wow. So she let me have it. And, you know, it turned out. It worked. Right. It worked. Actually, that's, it that's the best part of the story is that, like, <laughs> God was in the middle of that. Yes, he was. Uh, and he woke you up, like, yeah. at just the right moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I, I left and never went back. So would you say you took that energy of devotion and then pointed it to Jesus? I, so or? I did. I started going to church, like, read my Bible a little bit more. My Sunday school teacher wanted us to get involved. I'm 14 still, ninth grade. Right, right. Now, I'm, I'm with, I'm not because I was eighth grade when I started all this journey, ninth grade now. 
And um, she passed around a Sunday school book for us to teach our Sunday school high school class. Oh, you were supposed to teach? Yes. Okay. But before I taught, a few other students went, and man, they just, it was horrible. It was horrible. I was going to say. They just, they, I was horrible. And I thought, when it's my turn, I'm going to be good. You're going to make good, you know, good. So when I got the book, I went home, I studied. I had to deal with the story of, you know, Jesus asking, being asking a rich man, or Jesus saying it was harder for a rich man to enter heaven than for a camera to go through the eye of the needle. Mm. Um, just talking about the rich young ruler. So that's my first lesson. And you remember and, it. Oh, yeah. And when I got up, I was ready to go. I, I, I read, I studied. I told my Sunday school teacher, you don't have to worry about teaching anything today. I got this. Today. I got it. Right? <laughs> she was so impressed. She said, do it again next week. And I, okay. Okay. So the little gift was there. So Nobody knew about it. Yeah. Right? And I'm a creature of habit. And the discipline kicked in. Mm. Just because you were good. Doesn't mean you can go and repeat that unless you repeat the steps you did to be good. Yeah, yeah. So I had to go home and study get, again and read yeah, and get yeah, ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Came back the second week, same result. Mm. And so she said, do it again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're like six weeks in. She's like, it was like, like, like a okay, five, right? first preaching series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you didn't know. Uh, and each week, again, I did the same process. And I started to realize, like, oh, I have a natural ability with this. Did you like it? Did you enjoy yeah, it? Yeah, I, I started to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. But what also happened was, in order to understand the lessons, I had to read them. Right. If I read them, I right. understood them. Right, right. Now I realize I wasn't doing some of the things I was telling my friends in this class I had to do. You weren't living it. I wasn't Is that living what you're it. Okay. Yeah. So now, now I'm convicted. <laughs> Because you're not spending all this time studying, getting good illustration, make sure I understand what it was mm. saying. So now I, know, I don't have an excuse anymore mm. of, well, I don't understand the Bible. I was understanding the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> and so then my life started to change. Wow. So that's how the faith journey, you know, really began. Yeah, it's like the Holy Spirit was following you around all the time. <laughs> like, but isn't that what he Over to the Nation of, of Islam <laughs> meetings, like, hey, son. <laughs> so what about you? Tell us about your faith journey. Um, yeah. So, like I said, my immediate family was not religious at all. I mean, I remember before going to church, Sunday mornings were for cartoons. Okay. Uh, fond memories of waking up to Sunday morning cartoons. But, uh, yeah, with the split family, my grandmother had become, when we lived in Oklahoma, kind of like the glue for me, I think, of home base. She was our, also my caregiver during the week of my my. Okay. my, my when my dad was at work. So um, when he got remarried and our life started to separate a little bit, she's like, well, you can come stay with me on the weekends. And then she goes, well, if you're going to stay with me on the weekends, you're coming to church because I go to church. Oh. I'm like, okay. <laughs> no, no more cartoons. <laughs> uh, I know. I mean, I don't remember being mad about it. I've never been to church. I didn't even know what to expect. Um, and it was a little Baptist church, Dewey, Oklahoma. I remember to this day. And uh, so they were big on Sunday school. And so I always mm -hmm. went to Sunday school. And I loved it. Yeah. I loved learning about Jesus. I thought it was the best thing ever. I remember the other little boys in the class were so rude to the teacher. And I'm like, why are you guys being such idiots? This is awesome. But like, they would give her such a hard time. And I was just like, I love this. And, uh, uh, very stereotypical. It was the pastor's wife who taught okay. our, our class. And, uh, so one day, I don't know how long that, I don't remember how long it was, but, um, one day, someone Sunday morning, and she's like, hey, we're going to be having baptisms, so who wants to get baptized? And all these kids are raising their hands. And I remember just being like a little kid, well, I should raise my hand, too. You know, because everybody else had their hand raised. And uh, But I didn't know anything about what that meant. And um, the... 
a word got back to the pastor and he, he approaches me in the floor of the church. Uh, again, I don't remember if it was like the next week, but the same day. And I remember him, he seems so big. <laughs> he's like, leans down. Uh, and he was a nice guy, but he leans over me and he's like, hey, son, I hear you want to get baptized. <laughs> and, <laughs> Something like that. I just remember thinking he looked like he was 10 feet tall standing over me. And I was like, yeah. He's like, do you know what that means? And I was like, no. <laughs> and so he, he pulled me into his office, um, the big leather chair. Yeah. I got to sit in across from his desk. And he's like, well, let me tell you what it means to be baptized. Can I, can I share the gospel with you? And he told me about the gospel. He told mm. me about Jesus and how he died for our sins and that we're sinners uh, that need God. And I, it struck my heart. Mm. I was like eight years old, but it was real to me, like I was weeping in that leather chair wow. as he told me about Jesus and my, my need for a savior. And so after he explains it, he goes, do you want to receive Jesus as mm. your savior today? I said, yes. Mm. And so he led me in this prayer. And uh, all I can tell you is like, I knew God was real. I knew I was a sinner who needed a savior. And when I prayed those words, I meant them. And mm. I went from weeping over my sinnerness to in a min, in a moment experiencing peace wow like jesus entered my heart just like i had prayed like and there was no doubt in my mind like i felt mm. the change i felt the difference this was no 6 year old you know right. say the sinner's prayer like i met jesus that day yeah. and i got baptized a week later Wow. And I remember that too. It was such a moment in my life going in that water and coming out and knowing that I was forever changed. So my faith journey started there. Wow. Um, and then um, in that little church in Dewey, Oklahoma, I heard the voice of the Lord. I heard the call of the Lord on my life. Um, I remember there are three messages that, that pastor, that little church preached that changed my life forever. Um, one was that... At, if you are a believer, if you're one of God's sheep, you will hear his voice. And mm. I, I remember believing that with childlike faith and hearing God's voice for the first time. Never doubted since then that I or any believer could hear the voice of God. Mm. Uh, the next one that changed my life was him preaching a, a message on prayer. where he, uh, And essentially the message that I heard was, um, God will bless the person who takes time to pray. And I thought, in my little eight-year-old heart, I want a blessed life. I'm going to pray. So I made a commitment to talk to God every day. And I did. Mm. And I have ever since. And then the last one was um, he preached a message about, um, I don't remember what the message was about. I just remember he talked about some people are called to ministry. And, he, and I remember looking out across the auditorium, he goes, some of you in this room, um, are called by God to go into ministry. And as he said that, I remember, I don't know how to describe it, but I felt like this fire in my heart that I knew that was me. Mm. Um, but I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't tell anyone, um, but I knew that it was real. I knew God was calling and I knew God was speaking to me that I was called to ministry. But I, I kind of shut it down because... Um, in my mind, when I heard him say that and I felt the fire in my, my bones, if you will, yeah. I looked back at him and I thought, but I don't ever want to be the pastor of a church. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what I thought at that moment. So I kind of put it on the shelf as real as it was. Mm. Um, 
and then I'll continue my story, and then I want to hear how you knew, maybe it was that Sunday school experience, but how you knew you wanted to be a pastor preacher, but um, a few years later, we moved, so I was no longer involved. I didn't see my grandma. We didn't go to the church. My immediate family was not religious, like I told you, but I talked to Jesus every day. Um, I read my Bible when I could. I didn't understand it, but I walked with Jesus sort of in solitude for several years until kind of um, an awakening came to my stepmom, and she started going back to church when I was in high school. Um, But my walk with the Lord was always there. Jesus has always been real to me. Wow. How did you know that you were going to be a preacher pastor? How did I know I was going to be a preacher pastor? So my story is a little bit different because by this time I'm teaching this Sunday school class I'm 14 now maybe 15 years old and what is happening is people in our church are recognizing that this teenager he he has a gift and some people are saying I think he's supposed to be a preacher and I'm like oh, no I don't want to do that <laughs> and I carry my Bible more because again the more I taught that class the more I understood the type of life I should be living. Mm. And so I was trying to make efforts to live that way, coupled with the fact that I still wanted to be great like Malcolm X. So I still wanted Mm. to do something where I was helping people, you know, to impact their lives with my ability to speak and communicate Mm. to help them kind of like make different decisions. But I still want to be like a public speaker. And so this is what you're thinking in high school. Yeah, I'm thinking it's in okay, high school. Okay, yep. Okay. Uh, obviously, there's track and there's basketball yeah, in the right. back of my That's head. I'm an athlete, that. and uh, and athletics is going really, really well. But nothing is giving me the same rush mm. or same like just feeling as mm. when I'm standing up talking in front of people. Wow. So. Uh, I told a couple of people, I don't want to be a preacher. I said, the jobs are boring. They don't make enough money. I'm going to be Malcolm X. I'm going to be like that, right? Uh, and I didn't want to be Nation Islam. I right. wanted to be uh, a Christian. Malcolm, Malcolm X. X. No, uh, <laughs> no such thing. But that was that what I wanted. So about 16 and a half, I'm starting to wrestle. 16 and a half. Yeah, I was like you 17. really remember this. Well, I mean, that's my faith story, man. Yeah, okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> so it was about, I was 16 and a half, almost 17 years old. I remember my pastor preaching. was right around the time that Michael Jordan was coming back. Mm. And he closed out his sermon as he was getting, you know, in the black church. You know, we get the preacher at the end. You got to rev it up a little bit, you know. You got to get it going. <laughs> so everybody's talking about Jordan's coming back. Jordan's coming back. I got something to tell you. Jesus is coming okay. back. <laughs> That'll preach, man, though. I was... <laughs> I, I just was uh, like, I don't know. You start. It's like, a comeback. You know, <laughs> you okay, mentioned that ahead. fire on the inside of you. I was, I was really coming to grips and wrestling with. I knew that there was something inside of me that wanted to communicate God's word mm-hmm. to people. Mm-hmm. I still didn't want to be a pastor, but the more I heard my pastor preach, the more I kind of enjoyed and in, 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 you know listening and. Mm-hmm kind of hearing how he would tell the stories and set his sermons up. And so over a little bit of time, I'm like, maybe I should do this. But every preacher I talked to had a story kind of like yours. Mm. You know, like you put that fire on the side of you, like, I'm supposed to do this. And you knew it, you know, you put it on the Uh, shelf. I had guys tell me things like, no, they heard voices because they didn't want to preach and they were running from the Lord like Jonah and I got their attention. And I'm like, none of that type of stuff is happening to me at all. I don't feel no fire and nobody's talking. I can't hear like a, and a voice or from somebody saying, do this. I had none of that. And I was wrestling because at this point, I think I was hoping that I was called. 
mm. because I had taught that class long enough, yeah. carried that Bible long yeah. enough, read and studied yeah, that yeah, I'm yeah. like, I think I'm supposed to do this. Yeah. And I don't have the assurance that I'm supposed to. I went to my pastor and I said, how did you know? He said, you he told you his story. A burning desire, right? <laughs> Deep down. I'm like, okay. You have that. Well, I wanted to be called. Yeah, yeah. And so my pastor left me with the thought. He said, you know that you're called because you will just know. Mm. And That's I didn't fair. Know. You didn't feel I like didn't you know. knew. Huh. I'm talking to one of the associate ministers who was a security guard in our school. Associate ministers from a different church. Okay. So, you know, in the black church, only the pastor got paid way back in the day. Mm-hmm. He had associates, but they all had regular jobs mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. You know, lived life. And so we had a couple of associate ministers from a couple of different churches who were security guards in our school. And one of them in particular, who I spent time talking to, Reverend Frank Woods. Um, I really liked him. He really liked me. And so we sat down when they were talking in the hallway right around lunchtime. And I'm telling him, I'm wrestling. Like, how did you know you were called? Tell me again your story. And I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling. How do I know that I'm called? He said, let me ask you a question. He said, if you went the rest of your life and you never preached a sermon, would you be satisfied and feel mm-hmm. fulfilled? Mm-hmm. I said, oh, no, nah, man, I got to at least preach one time. I mean, <laughs> just one time. I mean, it's like, yeah, there's yeah, no way yeah, I yeah. live. And like, never it. dip in the pulpit. That was it. He said, let me tell you something. He said, that's how you know you call. Yeah, right. He said, the problem yeah. with you is you've been listening to guys, men who ran away from the Lord in their call. Mm. You're running towards to the call. Yeah. And so God doesn't God have bless to do some man. type of big, you know, burning bush experience. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Like, so, and, and then I knew. That's because Moses was hiding out in the desert, <laughs> right? <laughs> then I knew. that I knew without yeah, yeah. a shadow of a doubt. And I, I don't know if I was quite 17 yet or still 16 and a half wow. or somewhere in there. It was evident. And then everything in my life became... It must flow around. Had to go to that. Yeah, the fact that this is what I'm going to do with my life. So at that point in time, now, track and basketball. Sure, I knew I needed to go to college somewhere because I needed to get a degree. I, you know, and again, in the black setting, you got to wait till a church opens up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I started to go to college, and I still had to figure out, you know, how I was going to live life. Yeah, yeah. But I knew everything I had to do moving forward was all going to be centered around I've been called to preach. Wow. What did you study? When I went to Western, yeah. social work. So because I ran track, they paid for my school. Right. I was on a full ride right. there. Uh, I had to find something that did with people. So yeah, it was either yeah. communications. Yeah, yeah. Um, communication would have, would have been the jam. That was my minor. I did okay. social work yeah. as a major because it really puts you with, with people, people. Caring for people. Caring for people. Pastoring people. Yes. And <laughs> I thought that I'm probably going to be in a city somewhere. And I'm probably going to be amongst people who look like me and probably people on lower end of the spectrum with regards to their finances. And so social work and just... Why not a Christian school seminary thing if you know you're going to do ministry? Because... They wouldn't pay you to detract. In my context, most... I didn't know anything about Bible college or seminary. I knew my pastor was educated, but he wasn't doing sports. And so I just figured I would go to school at Western for free. When I graduated, start working as a social worker, join a local church... And then as time went on, I would eventually take wow. over that church huh. as a pastor or okay. someone would ask me to become a pastor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So seminary was never in the huh. equation for me wow. until my junior year in college. I heard Tony Evans when I was 18 years old. And I had just, I might even be 17. Tony Evans just, the way he would break down the He's text, a man. It was phenomenal. He's a man. 
over the years while I was in college, I would keep listening to him here and there yeah, whenever yeah, I could yeah, get yeah. a tape or you know hear something on the radio station. And at one point, I, was, I said to myself, this dude did not just read the Bible. Mm. I've been reading the Bible and studying it for yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows stuff I don't know. He must have went to school or something. Yeah. Looked on the back of one of his books, Dallas Theological Seminary. Right. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I need to go there. And you did, didn't you? Yeah, I went. Yeah, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. I knew it was in Dallas because of man. <laughs> you didn't know no anything else what about it. It was like Bible college. Yeah, 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 I yeah. just was like, yeah, yeah. whatever he, wherever he went, I need to go. Wow. And okay. that was how I got okay. there. So yeah, that's why there was no Bible college. I, I didn't even know, like Moody had a basketball team. Yeah, you that. should. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> You know, uh, so but I, I did not know that. That's so fascinating, um, and that's one of the differences too. I've never been to Bible college. I was right. not seminary trained. Right. Right. Uh, now I, we lost the other half of our listeners, right? There. Uh, <laughs> I've been school trained classes. I've had you know systematic theology and all of that, but I've never been to Bible college. Although I'm not against it, I still could. I'm getting old now, but you know, it, you know, people go back when they old. We'll see. They do. It's hard when you have kids. It is know, hard to have kids. Actually, the average age at Dallas when I got there was 35. Oh, wow. I got there at so you're the yeah. young, young I was kid. young. Now, when Whoa. I came in, there were several African-American students and a few other That's young awesome. people who, have, who were starting to come in at 23. So a lot of people who came in when I came in, if they were close to my age, they went to college, graduated, took a year off, saved some money up, and then went to seminary. Oh, wow. I didn't know you needed to save money for seminary. <laughs> so I came straight after, straight after graduation. Uh-huh. Like, hey, I'm down here. Like, here we you know, go. <laughs> so by the time I left, I would assume the average age had dropped some. Because okay. while I was there, there were several guys who came. Single guys came right out of yeah, college. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then even younger married guys with families, probably yeah, yeah. 28, 29 years yeah, old. Yeah. So... Yeah. So yeah. So, so I I think I thought in my mind knowing just barely any of your story before that like sports was the dream. That you're going to try and be some big athlete. That was never the deal. It was early because we realized we had a natural knack for athleticism. Mm-hmm. So basketball came easy, football came easy, track came really easy. Mm. But because the Lord got a hold of me at 14, right around that stage mm-hmm. as you're entering high school, mm-hmm. like I ran varsity track as a freshman. So there was wow. hope. I got moved to varsity on yeah. the basketball team yeah, yeah. for the tournament wow. at the end of the season. So there was this sense of, oh, he has something, but around the time you're figuring that out, the Lord entered into yeah, it. Yeah, I'm yeah, teaching yeah. a Sunday school class. Okay. And, so. But you really had to drive from 1718 that this was what you wanted to do. Oh, yeah. That's and amazing. I, and I knew I was going to be in Lansing since I was probably 18, 19. Wow. When I, when I first went to Western, I knew I was coming back to Lansing. Wow. I love your story. I love how really it was whether or not you heard voices, you know, <laughs> it was so directed by the Lord. So, yeah. so orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. I mean, you just in it. And for you, it was the knowing. I know this is what I want to do. I know this is what I want to do in my life. I know this is where I want to do it. And here you are. Yeah. That, that's God. You know what's that's interesting? That's God all the way. The, the, uh, the Muslim temple that I used to walk two and a half miles, three miles to every Wednesday night to be a part of their teaching. Um, it's, it's the it's the liquor store across the street. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So, so every day I come right to across work, the street right from across your street, church, right from the church. So every day I come to work here at the church, uh, I can look across the street. You have a reminder. Like, look, God. Oh, look, wow. You brought me full circle. You could have been in um, that liquor store. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, I mean, obviously, the, the Muslim uh, group, they moved out of there mm-hmm. a long time ago. But, yeah, I, I'm often reminded every day. Wow, that's really cool. Journey. I love that. Yeah. I love, I love, love your story. A, God has a way of doing things like that for us. So, so I, had a, I had a different dream growing up. I did not dream of being a pastor. Like I said, that was, I thought, the last thing I wanted to do. I've been doing it now for, like, seven years, and I have okay. to laugh every time I tell this story, because that was my conviction as an eight-year-old when I got the call. Like, right. I never want to pastor a church. And God is like, ha, 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 you're funny. We'll talk about that later. Uh, no, but when I was growing up, I, I, I had the wildest not wildest, but the weirdest dream. Now I look back because I'm like, why did I even think that was possible? Um, coming into like high school, I wanted to um, be a performer. I wanted to be an actor oh, in movies. Okay. Uh, and I found out I had some musical gifts. I thought, no, I'm going to be on Broadway. And so I gave I myself to all of that. I like, can see yeah. That. I mean, that was good academically too. Like, my parents and wise people were like, you should study the sciences, get, you know, get a, <laughs> a degree where you can make some money. Um, but yeah, that was my dream. Um, God's good, though. Like, mm. I think I discovered through trial and error. Cause I, like, I tried out, I studied, uh, I actually went to college for music um, but at the end of the day like I never landed lead roles for anything and I think it was the mercy of God like mm. I don't think I had the talent right. you know to to be on Broadway or to be famous and I, who knows it may have like consumed me like I know there are people God calls into entertainment and I pray for them to this day like I feel a, a, a tenderness for those people and for their witness um, but sometimes look at I say well maybe God just knew I couldn't right. you know I wouldn't um, but he probably just knew I was called to this I was yeah. called to this but um, so that was always a dream and then I did study music at college and I remember too my parents were so kind they let me do it but they they did ask questions like well what are you going to do <laughs> you know <laughs> and, and really though at that point like I had been walking with the Lord and, and like I said I never doubted I heard the Lord's voice getting into college like I felt like God had said study music and like so like what are you going to be a music teacher I'm like I guess we'll see you know mm. but being at college studying music was about obedience to the Lord and so while I was a music student like I told everyone I could about Jesus like I went to the music department every morning and prayed I prayed for the department I prayed for the students prayed for the professors I spent time just worshiping in the music building I felt like I just wanted to follow the Lord and so it's no surprise that you know little by little he got me into agreement with Mm. you know maybe you are called to ministry and it was little things along the way like in the campus ministry I was a part of you know seeing that ministry wasn't just about being a pastor someday you know that you could do campus ministry you could be a missionary and that really took hold in my heart I'm like oh well I could be a missionary like yeah. it's way more attractive to me than <laughs> really pastoring a church <laughs> and so he hooked me back in I kind of like re-embraced the cause okay okay if ministry can be this broad spectrum of things yeah. and I know I can't deny it. Eight-year-olds old, you said something. Right. I'll say yes, whatever you want, whatever you want. And the rest has really been, really been an adventure. Wow. And I'm not mad. I'm not mad about where I am. I didn't, like, get here, like, kicking and screaming. It wasn't like God, you know, like, oh, you know, Lord, why are you doing this to me? Every right. every yes along the way has been a joyful yes. Like, that's yes, good. Lord, I'll do this. Yes, I'll do I want to follow you. So that's how I got here. So what's your, we should bring this to a close. Yeah. We've been talking. We like to talk. Yeah, we do, yeah. That's talk why we should do a cool. podcast. Right. <laughs> we like to talk. We can just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. 
Uh, what would you say is, is like your heart message? Some people say your life message. Like if somebody starts to ask you a question about it, you don't have to prepare the sermon. Like right. you just, it comes flowing out with sure. lots of passion. Like yeah, sure. what's that for sure. you? I, I, I would say that, that that life message for me or that sermon that I don't really have to prepare for is just live your life devoted to the Lord. Mm. Um, and when I think like about Like you that, did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you did. Yeah, like well, you I, were very self-motivated. <laughs> like one, one of the that's your story. Is if you, if you, come to Kingdom Life any portion of time, you hear me preach for any portion of time, you can pretty much wrap all of my sermons up underneath the word that discipleship. Like okay. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, follow the Lord, right? Got it. He's the disciple leader and he's making me into a disciple. Mm. But when I think about like scripture references, you know, uh, Ezra 7.10 says, for Ezra had purpose in his heart to study the law, to practice it, and then to teach it all throughout Israel. That's so good. And so Ezra had purpose in his heart to, to study first so that way he would know it. Mm. He didn't purpose his heart to study just to know for the sake of knowledge. Mm. He had a purpose by an intent so he could live it. Mm -hmm. After he lived it, he then wanted to share it. He wanted to teach it to other people. Mm. And so I think that, you know, that's one of those verses or reminders for me of just what a life should be what, how life should be lived what yeah. it should look like yeah. if I wanted to use another example like of a story it would be Joseph because in the Bible Joseph experiences you know like lots of lots of highs but also lots of lows but through it all his character remains intact mm. his faithfulness to the Lord is always there and he has to did, wait did you get sold into slavery and I didn't no, know okay, but I know some people who did about 300 yeah. years ago look Ooh, like me well, so. that's <laughs> I mean, you, know, you walk you, right into the. <laughs> go on with your story. Joseph's character, his character, you know, um, and the fact that he, he, even his ability to forgive his brothers in the end. Mm. So his life just seems to be so one good. where he never gets really outside of trusting the Lord. Mm. He may not always understand what's going on, but he doesn't. Always, he never stops trusting. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Those would be two biblical examples. Okay. If you wanted like a superhero uh, example, let's go. I would say uh, Captain America. I really love Captain America. <laughs> really? Didn't like him as a kid growing up, but when Marvel showed his movie, oh yeah, his, just, his integrity, his character, ability, his yes, status, character. You know, every 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 hero has a dark side. They uh -huh. do something dumb because uh -huh. of their powers. And Captain America, he stays true to who he is. Yeah, yeah. And I just really appreciate, like you know, you can live a life. Well, you don't have to, like, don't do yeah. something real dumb and go uh, way down. Right, yeah. Not that opposition doesn't happen, mm. but you don't have to, like... I mean, that's your story. Yourself. That is your story. Well, so far, I'm trying to finish it out that oh, way. <laughs> by, the, by the grace of God. By the grace of God, yes, yes. Oh, that's awesome. So what about you? What is that that, that heart message, that sermon that you don't have to prepare for? It's just it's who you are. It's It just it, it comes out of you. Yeah, so funny because it's similar, like... It, it's been my story, but I'd say if every sermon that I ever preached uh -huh. probably falls under the category of friendship with God. Okay. Just the, the, the reality that we can and should, and God wants us near to him. He wants mm. us to talk to him. He wants us to listen to him. Like it's been the story of my life, but you don't even have to like rev me up for that one. Like I will talk to you all day about like, <laughs> you're called to be a friend of God. Jesus didn't call us to be servants. He called us to be friends. The father wants to share with us his good plans. You know, uh, what Jesus said in, in John 15, like that, that's been it for me. And, yeah. and again, almost I'll be preaching about like whatever. And it will always come back to that. Like just get to know Jesus, just walk with Jesus. So yeah, that, that would be mine. Um, 
what do we on this podcast have to offer mm. the world? I think there will be several things. One of the big things is we're, we're offering them the opportunity to hear two people come to a table and have conversations yeah. about difficult topics at times. And we recognize that while there are some differences in how we grew up and even how we think, heck, even in our denominational affiliations, there's some differences. <laughs> um, we're still friends. These things yeah. have not divided us. They've yeah. actually made our relationship stronger yeah. Yeah. because we're willing to learn from one another. Yeah. So I think what we have to offer the world is to give them an example of what it looks like when you want to kind of lean across the table yeah. and learn from someone else. Yeah. If I had to sum it up, uh, we are teaching people how to seek to understand mm. and not always just seeking to be understood. Yeah. And so yeah. that, I think, is something that we're offering the world. I, I tell people all the time, seek to understand somebody else, whether you're understood or not. Seek to understand yeah. them because it definitely makes it a whole lot easier for them to not even want to want to understand yeah. you. That's powerful. I hope that we can help bring that and equip people in that. Yeah. I think to me, when I think about us, like one of the things I feel like brings us together and makes us uh, more similar than we are different is I feel like, and this is maybe a heavy term, but an uncommon grace mm. on our lives to walk between different worlds to be a bridge among diverse people, yeah. to have understanding and not to be tribalistic in any mm. way, shape or form. I mean, that's what I love about you yeah, um, is that you, you're not easily defined <laughs> by the color of your skin or your denominational affiliation. Like I've seen you in, you know, so many diverse environments and I'm like, he knows how to walk in and out, mm. you know, of those situations with such love and grace. And I hope and I believe that that's on myself as well. And again, mm. like I said, from my upbringing, I'm just learning to receive and honor people no matter where they are, or where they're from, and just really value the person in front of front of me has been just something I think I've been equipped with. So I think we can offer to the world mm. um, tools to, to walk that out. I, I think we learn so much when we're willing to not just subscribe to our tribe. Yeah, that's good. You know, subscribe to our so, tribe. Yeah, that's good. Uh, hopefully we can equip other people like us and, and believers to, to walk in love to seek to understand mm. before being understood mm. and to not get so locked into our tribe that we can't see the rest of the world. That's all right. That's good. That sounds like a good spot to end it. It does. Well, Pastor Jesse, thank you, thank sir. Thank you. To the listening audience, uh, we want to say thank you to you all. We know you could have chosen any other podcast to listen to, and yet you chose to listen to this one. And so as we bring more of these to you, we hope that it not only blesses your life, but truly, truly encourages those who are listening. Cheers to the journey ahead <laughs> as we put the pulpit aside. Yes, sir. <laughs>